0: I'm Hannah, I'm Sheena, and I'm Lori, and this is Cemetery Row.
1: Woohoo! Woo! <gasps> we missed you guys!
2: Yes! yes. Sorry we're Apologies. late. You know, life happened anyway. We're going to move on and just say life happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it is, um, more importantly, it is spooky season, and we are here to celebrate all things spooky season, um... I don't know about y'all, but my my decorations have been up for a hot minute. Um, it's
1: decorative gourd season, motherfuckers. Yes, it is. <laughs>
2: I took my Halloween costume pictures for our work costume photo contest thing earlier I to today. I to see
1: if my coworkers will play along yeah. with that.
2: Yeah, and um, I'm just all about the season. Um, I did have... <clears throat> excuse me soul of the city at elmwood cemetery a couple weeks ago it was a thrill i loved every minute of it um i told the story of uh stagger lee and how that folk song is connected to elmwood i mean i say folk it started out as a folk song um and and then I got the look from everybody when someone's like oh how did you figure out I said well I collect murder ballads and sometimes I just (laughs) google them and see you know what their origin story is and I just happened to google that one and figured out oh Lee family steamships like the Lee family triangle that's at Elmwood I made the connection confirmed it and everyone was like yeah you're weird and I'm like okay (laughs) this is why I'm doing a tour
1: in a cemetery
2: Yeah. yeah exactly um but I do have um we well we all are we are the cemetery is turning soul of the city into a movie that is coming out the last week of october you can watch it online plus the last weekend in october if you're in memphis please join me for my true crime tours um not my first tour was supposed to be at 2 o'clock Sunday, October 30th. Uh That has sold out, so we have opened up another tour date for Saturday, the 29th. If you come, you will get a treat bag from us at Cemetery Row, Woo-hoo. and you will hear some delightful true crime tales from Memphis history.
0: Woo. Yay! And that actually, I didn't realize that you collect murder ballads. I don't know why I didn't know that, so yes. I think that is a future episode the origin I of love murder, murder ballads.
2: ballads you know and not even all of them aren't even quote-unquote murder ballads some of them are just folk songs some of them are like gunfighter songs um i just disco- not discovered but didn't realize the magnitude of the teenage tragedy genre there are so many songs from the 50s and 60s Mm -hmm. about teenagers like dying in terrible car wrecks and crap like that and i'm like i always knew this but i didn't realize how many there were so that's my next collection to start on so um i'm a
1: weirdo who i love the 1950s songs about boyfriends dying in car accidents oh yeah
2: yeah i mean I loved, we're going to go back to Pearl Jam for a minute. Pearl Jam <laughs> I cover, was about to
1: say. Last, Last Kiss. Kiss. Um, yes. In
2: the what, late 90s, early 2000s? And early 2000s. Cover. Yeah. yeah. That's a classic. So yeah. Um. Anyway, so join me for true crime tours in Memphis. And if you can't be in Memphis, well, just keep listening to us and we'll tell you some creepy well, stories. Fill you in. <laughs> yes.
0: Speaking of that, our topic next week.
2: Oh, she yeah. yeah. What we have yeah. decided on. So, we're going to have an extra episode next week because it is Halloween and we love you. And all of us will find a spooky story or poem or something to read to you. It's going to be like lovely narration, just spooky and with us. Um, I want to find something Edgar Allan Poe related because I like to imagine that he is my boyfriend in a different dimension. So, um, mm-hmm. what the girls are going to come up with, I don't know, but I'm excited for that. It's going to be great. It's going to be I'll amazing. Tell you,
0: I've decided, I've, I just figured it out. I'll have to tell y'all off mic, cause it's going to be a surprise, but I think I know what Yay. I'm going to try to do.
2: Yay. <laughs> Let's see if it happens. You know me,
0: I change everything. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I was going to say,
2: you can say it now and then in, I'm you know, excited now, like, but next, yeah.
0: next week, I'm going to be like, fuck, I can't do this. Right. <laughs> what was be I thinking? Completely different. <laughs> Exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, speaking of true crime and spooky stories, there are some true crime and spooky news out there in the world right now. I know they recently caught a serial killer in California. Yeah. Um, that,
1: yeah. Go in ahead. Celsius Springs, Missouri. Yes. This dude was like pulling an Ariel Castro and it could or could not be linked to a maybe serial killer in Kansas City but the KCPD is like no and then but people on the street are like yes so (laughs) who knows yeah that's
0: always wonderful to hear
1: right
2: um I was joking I shouldn't say I'm joking about true crime with my mother but come on um (laughs) the Mississippi River is at its lowest I don't know that it's ever Uh-oh. been but it's really low and oh, yeah. people are talking about how they're going out there and finding you know bits of shipwrecks and bones and stuff and i was like i need to go out there and see if we can find some bones in memphis because you can't tell me oh yeah there's but there aren't bodies, bodies. Yeah, yeah that our friend well, jasper smith isn't down there
0: well you know there's uh well somebody posted a picture the other day of like the boat stopped at mud island
2: yeah and they're,
0: like they're just sitting in the mud like yeah. essentially it is yeah. mud, mud island, island.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. um and there is unfortunately really no update on the jay lee case uh, he is um he was an old miss student um that's we sort of distantly knew we didn't really know him personally but um my friend spencer was a friend of his um and he went missing several months ago they still have not found his body they have arrested someone in connection with his murder but uh that's kind of we're still at a standstill i think the guy they have accused of his murder is threatening to sue because he's still being held in jail but i i don't know i mean when you
0: google flights out of the us yeah Yeah, before you're arrested, that that's kind of the red flag that you are at flight risk.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, lots of news that we're trying to keep on on top of and all that good stuff. It's just a lot. It is a lot. So, um, let's jump straight into spooky season because that's just sort of our general theme this week is just all things spooky. Uh, and Hannah, you have some incredible people to tell us about.
1: I do. So I wanted to do a particularly brutal case. Um, what? From my chat. I know. (laughs) What? But writer's block hit, and so my brain spared you for now. I rubbed off on you because
0: usually I that's know. that's
1: that's mine. I'm telling you. So instead, we're doing witch roundup. Heck yeah. Um, which I was haha, no pun intended. <laughs> so one of my formative experiences when I first moved to Arkansas was I started a coven on the playground. Um. The parents in the Southern Baptist community did not enjoy that, um, <laughs> which I have not stopped being contrarian about it ever since. Yeah. Um, so I love me a good witch. So mm-hmm. let's begin. Our first witch is Mother Shipton. Mother Shipton was born Ursula Southheel in England in the 16th century but spent most of her life as a traveling soothsayer. She's well known for predicting many significant events, including the great fire of London and world war one. Although she didn't say when it would happen, just that she had a vision and she saw it. Yeah. One of her prophecies said when witches go riding and black dogs appear, the night shall be filled with terror. Ooh. Ooh, this was written in the 16th century and has been interpreted to refer to both the great plague and world war ii when witches mm. go riding the blitzkrieg yeah um black dogs germany is a lot of times portrayed as a black wolf yeah and the night shall be filled with terror blitzkrieg You're right. so the great plague i don't know enough about to like be able to you know unless black dog could also be like double dogs or hounds of hell um rats so yeah rats, rats as well essentially <laughs> yeah right so uh and another one of her predictions was that men would walk on the moon which oh, okay. did indeed happen did they
2: i believe they did i just say it. Are, are you secretly a flat earther too sheena no no i'm <laughs> not i just had to
1: yeah, i just had no. to oh yeah Absolutely. don't come in our dms no yes no, I it's truly
2: a joke not, yeah we i'm sure send, it really
1: happened i wouldn't air but we sure. will send buzz aldrin to punch you in the face
2: <laughs> yes
1: so now we're going to france where we're going to talk about La Voicine. I'm not pronouncing that right because I'm not French. Catherine Montvoisin, or Montvoisin, known as La Voicine, was a French sorceress accused of accused and convicted of selling magic and attempting to poison the king of France at the behest of one of his mistresses. Ooh. This was also the 16, 1700s era. So... She had married, uh, her husband's business kind of went in the toilet. So she supported the family by practicing palm and face reading. Mm. In addition to being a fortune teller, she was also active as a midwife, which developed into providing abortions. Good for her.
0: Right. Like the, like the abortion tea that's all over, uh, house of the dragon. Like she (laughs) actually created one.
1: More than likely, well, and there was actually a plant that grew in ancient Rome that would induce Mm -hmm. abortions, and it went extinct because they used it so much. Of course they did. So anytime somebody is like, you know, abortion's a modern thing, I'm like, no, as long as people have been getting pregnant, they've been figuring out how not to be pregnant. Yes, 100%. Um, And it's important to remember, too, that a lot of the witches- were midwives and were, yes. you know, providing women's care that the men in control really did not enjoy. Uh, her business as a fortune teller gradually developed into manufacturing and selling magical objects and potions, arranging black masses, heavy air quotes, and selling aphrodisiacs and poisons. <laughs> she started doing poisons. Uh, because she would come in and she would do the, you know, the fortune telling and people have questions about love or they need money. So they're like, you know, if my great uncle, um, Lumiere, rest in peace, uh, Jerry Orbach. Um, Thank you. That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> I don't oh, know French Jerry. names. Lumiere. Jean- Lumiere. <laughs> Pierre. Exactly. I don't know these names, guys. French was not my deal. Um, <laughs> you know, I need him to die so I can inherit this money. She'd be like, "Hey, yeah, got a little something, something for you." She produced a large variety of poisons and had a network of providers working for her, notably an apothecary named Catherine Trianon. I love to see girl bosses, girl boss. One yeah, such client was the mistress of the king and Ooh. through a series of pratfalls and shenanigans the king's sister-in-law got the poison instead
2: <laughs> oh lord
1: <laughs> for this lavoisin was arrested and burned at the stake in the middle of town
2: oh my
0: of course she was
1: but you know what good for her Another one, this is going to be the first dude on our list, Grigori Rasputin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So not only does he have an amazing song by Boney M, Yeah, <laughs> um, which if you have not listened to, please go listen to. It is fantastic.
2: Oh, surely they have if they're on the TikTok.
1: <laughs> right. Have to of. It's wonderful. Apparently, he also had a massive penis, too. So there's that. World also for that. Good for you. Apparently at one point he like helicoptered on the bal balcony of the Russian palace. <laughs> um, so and Russia's pretty cold, so good for him. That's yeah, all I'm saying.
2: Sure, sure.
1: So he's famous for being a Russian mystic who was linked to Tsar Nicholas's family and a major figure in Russian politics um Last pod did like, I think it was like a three part series. It was really got into like a lot of the political intrigue and it's so hard to like realize that he didn't die until 1916. Yeah. So he seems like such an old world figure, but then like part of it is talking about him driving in a car and they're like, yeah. they cars <laughs> like what? So it's so crazy. Okay. I got it. You, when you
0: mentioned his name, this came up and I have to, you know, I've always got to bring it back to movies. Right.
1: Um,
0: the movie, the King's man, which was a terrible movie. I hated it. It, you know, nothing like the Kingsman. Uh, but the best scene in that entire movie is when the main character gets into an all out brawl with Rasputin who's played by Reese Oh House of the Dragon, and he is so fucking fantastic. It is just <laughs> the most impressive action scene outside of like a John Wick movie. Oh wow. <laughs> it was a maze balls. Like he embodied the scene. You, you gotta YouTube. watch the scene. It's it's the only worthwhile part of that movie. And I love the Kingsman uh that one's just hot garbage but anyway yes back to back to you i love it and
2: i was gonna Witchcraft. say too, i've got a, a um rasputin shirt that says give him the old razzle dazzle <laughs> 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 i love it i, I it love cracks it. me
1: it it brings me joy so he was killed december 16th of 1916 by somebody named felix yusupov um How dare you, felix. i know the um legend so it goes is that you know they shot him they stabbed him they threw him in the river and still he came back um i don't know if that's true or not um though he was from siberia so i don't put anything past him <laughs> um the reason he really was able to ingratiate himself with the russian royal family is because um Tsar nicholas's heir had hemophilia Which happens when you marry your cousins for generations after generations. Mm. So um, he kind of got in with them by claiming to have healed it through mystical means. And became the Grigori that we know and love today. (laughs) The next we go back to some of my ancestors lands. This is an Irish witch. Her name is Iris Kitel Alice, rather Kitayler, Katayler. I'm not. I'm not pronouncing that right. She was a famous witch during the 1200s. <laughs> she was accused of being a witch and practicing witchcraft with her husband, who has the greatest name ever, William Outlaw.
2: Oh Ooh, man, nice. Billy Outlaw.
1: <laughs> yes, I know, old
2: Bill Outlaw. That old hell yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it son of a bitch
2: exactly
1: (laughs) and they were alleged to have practiced witchcraft together which I love that for them the couple
2: that witchcrafts together I know
1: I love it in Kilkenny Ireland for more than 20 years so good for them um they were pretty much okay until their daughter married somebody by the name of John Lepore who was under suspicion by King Edward as an Edward the as an enemy of the throne. Oh no. He sent the two to trial where Alice and her husband were both found guilty of sorcery, heresy, devil worship, and necromancy. Her daughter was also on trial for witchcraft, but left before she could be tried, which was <laughs> smart. So the accusation that Edward made was, all manner of things happened according as they wished it, which I think you know maybe they just had really good luck with stuff. yeah, maybe you guys suck. Have you considered that now? We're going to Germany for Murga bien a well- to do German heiress in the seventeenth century. Murga was on her third husband <laughs> when <laughs> accusations started flying. Get it, Merga. Get it, Murga. Get <laughs> it, Murga. Despite it being a relatively peaceful period in history, Murga happened to live in Fulda, Germany, where they were going a little crazy. Imagine <laughs> having returned to power after a long exile, a Catholic reformer, Prince Abbot Balthazar von Dernbach. Whew, okay. Yeah. Ordered a massive witch hunt in the area from about 1602 to 1605 to, you know, purge all the groovy chicks because we've, we've played this game before of the more than 200 people who were accused and executed for being witches in Fulda. Murga was considered to be the most famous. The circumstances that led to her death were ill-timed. She had just returned to the city after arguing with one of her husband's employers and she found herself pregnant well what's the big deal with that you say well because they'd been married 14 years and she hadn't had a baby yet so naturally naturally the only way she could have gotten pregnant was by fucking the devil (laughs) how else do you do that
2: i mean i don't know talk to uh to the virgin mary I, i think she went a different route but okay right
1: right Along with that lascivious supernatural acts, uh, Murga was forced to admit to having to killed her second husband and children, one of the children of her current husband's employers and that she had attended a black Sabbath cue the riff. Um, (laughs) We don't know that she did any of these things, but she was being tortured pretty heavily at the time. So you torture me, I'm going to to everything. I killed JFK. Please, for the love of God, stop ripping <laughs> off my fingernails. <laughs> she was burned at the stake in the fall of 1603. Now we're going to England and a little bit more modern times, relatively speaking, with Dion Fortune, the greatest name in the world. That
2: is a
0: great name. After night. Billy Outlaw. Uh,
2: yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> These witch names are... Mwah. Yes. Um, Dion Fortune is a chosen name, but her birth name is just as wonderful. Violet Mary Firth. <laughs> she was born in 1890 and died in 1946. She has many famous spells attributed to her, such as the devouring flame of desire, which she used to help women with their love lives. And she invented the famous ritual of transcendental protection. She also founded the occult school called the Society for Psychical Research, which if you've done any kind of delving into the history of like paranormal and witchery and so on, occult stuff, the Society for Psychical Research, very, very famous. Well, well, that comes up in our
2: episode later. Oh, wow.
1: (laughs) That is a synchronicity we did not plan because I wrote this script. Three hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) So from England, we're going to stay in the UK and I'm going to get attacked by a kitten. (laughs) Uh, And we're going to go to Scotland with Isabel Gowdy in the 19th century. She confessed to practicing witchcraft under torture. And since her trial, she is now considered one of the most important witches in history. Her confessions were written down by her interrogator by the name of Father John Kelly. Which let's just be right on target with Scotland there. She was famous for her ability to cast spells and prophecy as we able, and she also read tea leaves and palms. She is sometimes known as Isabel Longbeard for her long white hair, which I think is rude. Okay. Yeah. Very rude. Isabel also believed in shape-shifting and transmutation of the soul. That means that witches can transform into animals at will. Which I wish was true. Because I would be a house cat right fucking now. Same, same, same. Now we're coming to the Americas. Finally. I'm sure you guys are like, fuck. (laughs) We're going to talk about Maul Dyer. Believe it or not, you have heard of Maul Dyer if you've watched The Blair Witch Project. Oh. She was in um, Leonard, uh, yeah, Leonard, Maryland, uh, where Maul Dyer's rock currently is. Um, so, of all of these ladies or er, engines, she's the only one I knows who where their monument is, and she yeah. does have a rock that she was apparently frozen to. Her most famous work was casting a spell on General George Washington. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Caused
1: his defeat in the American Revolution. <laughs> um, but she mostly did protection spells. Um, so she was the inspiration for the Blair Witch Project. Um, she allegedly had a white dog that would follow her around and would attack people who she did not enjoy. Good. Which again, I see no issue here.
2: Yeah. No,
0: I don't have a problem with it.
1: And lastly, and somebody who I I know way too much about, but here we are, is one of the more famous witches of the modern period, Mr. Alistair Crowley. <laughs> of course, the wickedest man in the world. He founded Thelema, um, which is fancy British boys doing gay shit, which is fine. <laughs> Um there are like interesting things to his philosophy. Like one huge point is every man and woman is a star, which I do like. Um sort of like everyone is kind of their own individual godhead and their power and stuff comes from them, which I do enjoy. He was also a mountaineer and explorer, which I did not know about him. Really? Um, yeah I listened to the last pod series about him, which was actually really, really good um but yeah, he was a really good mountaineer, and I'm like, well, good for them Um. so yeah, he founded Philema, he um got into a fist fight with um yeah. I believe it was lord byron <laughs> um he was as you do as (laughs) one does um over because lord byron wouldn't let him into their fake fort um it was it was fancy british men being ridiculous being little
0: bitches
1: yes and he also (laughs) hooked into a lot of like the egyptian mysticism and stuff so it was very it was very interesting he was also a terrible fucking human being so (laughs) keep that in mind going forward and he was a really bad drug addict and just not not a great not that being a drug addict makes you a bad person it's just it was it's he was not a great person uh but you know a lot of his occults and spiritual writings are interesting yeah and some of that to say
2: the least to me it's one of those you know i know a lot of people have done great things on drugs but sometimes it's like no that's just nonsense babe
1: right yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean like not all of it is like every man and woman is a star i really liked and then i would read some other stuff like sweetheart sweetheart you were on heroin (laughs) utter bullshit so don't do drugs kids yes and he was also surrounded by some pretty groovy ladies um so who also had problems but every you know what if you meet somebody who's into do. the occult who does not have pro- we get into it because we have problems okay <laughs> we're not getting the answers we want from other parts of our lives so we do this stupid shit leave us hey alone. that comes
2: up in my story too indeed. okay there we she- go
1: <laughs> sheena did you spy on me no oh my lord but that is the witch roundup Woo-hoo! Woo! we got we got all over you know we got europe we got a little bit of the americans in there you know i have to say um we had some abortions
2: going on a lot yeah (laughs) when you study um the witch trials i mean i think we know the ones here in america they're the of that better than we do the ones in europe but that is a really really scary story Um, oh absolutely sure you know it's it's a bunch of
0: mostly women
2: older Mm -hmm. people poor uh, disabled or differently abled or um just people who are kind of tired and grumpy and everyone's like oh I don't like them so I'm gonna say they cursed my cow or something and next thing you know they're drowning in a river because
1: you you would be surprised with again to plug last pod they did a really great about the salem witch trials yeah how much of the witch accusations stemmed from people's ox acting funny
2: right yeah or their
1: pigs acting a fool because uh what they kept saying during the series was life was hard and everything sucked yeah yep. you know and when shit's like that i mean we see it you know the satanic panic in the 80s we see it with people saying that there are you know litter boxes and you know fucking kids bathrooms and i'm just like you were so fucking gullible yep but i mean we see these you know panics happen where we start rounding people up because we're freaking out about shit Mm -hmm. over and over again um yeah i remember i know
2: that um the unobscured podcast one seer one entire season was on the salem witch trials and it was very, very good because it really got into the nitty gritty of who was who. And I just remember they talked about one of the women who was um, accused of witchcraft and she was older. She was extremely poor. Yeah. Um. She had a lot of uh, serious health issues and they were like, do you blame her for being in a bad mood all the time?
1: And I'm yeah. like, thank
2: you. Thank you. Let's put some humanity on her. Not just be like, oh, she's grumpy all the time and she's the village witch. Like, right. Whoa. Like,
1: you know well and there was one in specific um the the lady's name was dorcas whore which i love <laughs> i love that name yes and dorcas. i mean she was a troublemaker oh, yeah. and her kids were rabble rousers and they yeah. were kind of you know we would be like they're you know they would be on cops in this day and age <laughs> you know but but you know, it wasn't witchcraft. They were just wild and woolly people. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this was frontier life. This wasn't yeah. cosmopolitan. You know, shit. I mean, so you got people who came out to those areas because they wanted to rough it, because they wanted to, you know, be away from civilization. Yeah. So, and some of those people are fucking assholes. Like, yeah,
2: yeah. you are like,
1: please go away from civilization because you fucking suck. Yeah. You
2: know. And they shouldn't be burned as a witch or whatever. Right. Just I'm because like, they're a little introverted.
1: Well, and that's like um when Lori covered Giles Corey, who is yeah. arguably a dick. But <laughs> and a maybe, murderer. Right. Who was like, No, this guy's kind of a bad person. But it sucks. didn't deserve to be crushed to <laughs> yeah. you know
2: no no. no. That's an awful way to go.
1: Yeah. So that's the crazy thing with like witches and kind of like, and I really do like, like the modern interpretation of witchery and that it's very kind of open and very expansive and very, you know, it's taking that scientific approach to things and marrying it with, okay, you can still believe in science and still have this spirituality, which I think is important with like organized religion just seems to be doubling down on Mm -hmm. some of its more negative aspects yep and And this is where i
0: have something to say but i'll let you finish first because i'm gonna go on a rant here in a second
1: (laughs) you're good yeah but i think there's still that spiritual need that we have and so i think you know some of the modern witchcraft and that sort of thing really does fulfill that need
2: yeah
0: it does
1: all right give me your rant Lori.
0: Okay. Well, you're talking about the the religion part is what kind of, I don't want to say triggered because it didn't trigger me, but it (laughs) it piqued my brain and Sheena is with me on this. So it's like the world is cyclical. Everything that happens once will happen again. History rhymes. Yeah. Yes. And it's really horrifying to see what's going on with uh, specifically the little town where Sheena lives, and that I consider home is Hernando. And there are people that have gotten them to take s- certain books out of the library because of stupid religious. Petty reasons uh, of mice and men, uh, right. the Great Gatsby, um, Harry Potter, of course, but that's nothing new. Oh yeah, they've been
1: doing that take, for years.
0: Take Harry Potter out because J.K. Rowling is a transphobic piece of shit. Okay. Um, yes, exactly. The Junie B. Jones series, yeah. which is I read when I was a little girl about this precocious little child. They've had that removed because it promotes bad behavior, and this is just absolutely ridiculous never in a million years would I think in the year the year 2022 yeah we would be dealing with this and having this come come back around I mean up uh, to kill a mockingbird you read that yeah, cool. in high school and they're right. banning it because of racism it's like they're erasing the 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 1960s from the textbooks. They don't want to teach about, you know, race right. theory and, and what went down. And the people
1: banning books have never been on the right side of history. Never. Right.
0: So it, it all plays into this, you know, the strange woman in town who doesn't have a husband and who likes to stay by herself.
1: Obviously right. there's
0: something wrong with her. So the book that talks about a black man being accused of a murder he didn't commit and the language that's just too too delicate for our little soft sensibilities, and it's it's fucking ridiculous. Well,
1: and... yeah, and we've talked before that the reason, you know, especially in the South, that was smart. That was real smart, um Rosie. But is because you know, especially of like the desegregation and stuff, is like they'll look at those pictures of the screaming ugly white people and see their grandparents. Oh yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, exactly. y'all did it. Y'all were proud enough to be out in these streets acting like this. Yep. Now that history's, you know, kind of do it a course correct. Now you're being all, mm, no, yeah, yeah. You were awfully it's... proud of yourself then,
2: though. Yeah, what? I um, I have a copy of the book, the 1619 Project, but I just borrowed it from the library to make a point. Like yeah, absolutely. This don't be terrible about it. Like keep these Mm -hmm.
1: right, and just because it's in the library does not mean you're gonna check it out. You know, talk to your talk to your child about. And here's the thing: as soon as you say you don't want them to read it, guess what they're they're going to read it. Do and and it's asking people to parent their child. And right, heaven forbid.
2: And I know I have no room to talk about this. But if the pandemic taught us anything, is that no one wants to parent their child. They got really upset that they had to stay home with little Johnny and Susie instead of seeing that as some kind of blessing and something they could learn from it. Oh, no, they've got to go take those kids back to school right now. So, and, and, and and please get this deadly disease that will eat away at your nerves and your arteries. And then that's why
1: people like me are having heart problems. And that's probably why my mom got rheumatoid arthritis, which we do not have a history of in my family at all. Yep. Any autoimmune illnesses. And now suddenly my mom has rheumatoid arthritis after uh, her bout with COVID. So, yeah. Yeah. hmm, Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, And also also treating their teachers like shit when they do come back
0: that's what I was going to say. You know, it was all, oh, we need to give teachers raises. We need to pay them more when they were stuck home having to help their kids. But as soon as the kids went back to school, it's like, yeah. what now you want to raise you have, you haven't had How a pay you. raise in 15 years. Well, fuck off. Yeah. You get your summers off. So you, exactly. you don't right. deserve it. Or
1: you're indoctrinating our children. I'm like, yeah, yeah. look, yeah. half of us don't pay attention and like they could have. It's like indoctrinate your kid to fucking turn in their homework. How about that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. All it's right. Just, that was a right. fabulous tangent. Yes, <laughs> it was. Apologies.
0: Apologies. No, I Dude, Derek, for nothing. Good luck with the edit on that one, Derek.
2: Do no, not no, edit right. that out. No, not no, not, not, not edited out. No. Just,
0: you know, the, the loud opinion, women with opinions. <laughs> he's <laughs> hey, used to he's, that by he's now. Used to hearing that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. All right, Sheena, since your story's connected somewhat to Hannah's, I think you should yep. go next.
1: Yeah, okay, that works. I'm so excited um, now. Yeah, yeah, me too. So I,
2: you know, one of the many topics we had thought about covering at one point, we have, our, our topic list is like six miles long, y'all, um, yeah. was things from our childhood that scared us, right? And mm-hmm. Hannah had covered um, Resurrection Mary, which yes. nothing scared me more than Resurrection Mary as a child. Yeah. But I was thinking about it one day and I was like, no, 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 something else terrified me as a child. And it was the tunnel scene in Ghostbusters 2. Where cool. they are down there in that tunnel, and you hear the voice go Winston, and then all the dead people heads pop up on the sticks, and they scream, "Oh goodness, baby oh, wow. Sheena was terrified of that scene, but I loved it, and I watched it, and um, then of course Winston gets hit by the ghost train, and I remember being very jealous because I'm like, I'm gonna get hit by a ghost train." <laughs> Baby Sheena, Sheena was, uh, Baby Sheena was complicated, okay? So, um, in in the idea of, of Ghostbusters 2 and Ghostbusters and just all that, the wonderful gifts that the Ghostbusters franchise has given us over the years, I'm going to talk about the origin of Ghostbusters.
1: Yay! Woo! Actually, Yay! and I almost sent it to you to send it to Derek, and I might still. There was a... um. Headline on the cover of the Chicago Sun Times that's a ghost busters because <laughs> the CTA, um the buses say that they arrive and they do not. Um, <laughs> I love it. So I'm going to send you that to send to Derek. Cool. All right, y'all, picture it. June 8th,
2: 1984, Ghostbusters Ooh. opens in theaters and it is an instant success. I it was became- just a bit. I was barely one.
1: I was five months old.
0: I was non-existent.
1: (laughs) And all of our older listeners are going, shut the fuck up. For all all of our baby listeners. i was gonna say the
2: babies are like 19 years old these women are so old oh my god i know um so it became ghostbusters became the second highest grossing film in 1984 in u.s and canada then it became um the second or the then highest grossing comedy ever it spawned the sequel ghostbusters 2 which is my favorite of the two um I don't care that I'm wrong. It's just what I like. Um, there was also a relaunch film, uh, also co- called Ghostbusters in 2016. That's a great movie. And if you want to come for me, come for fight me, me bro. All Anything of you, you little fanboys
1: that got on Rotten Tomatoes and fucked with that movie, you guys can fight me because I fucking love that movie. Same.
2: Um, and there was another sequel, Ghostbusters Afterlife, in 2021. There's been several animated TV shows. There are Ghostbusters action figures, comic books, video games, drinks, because we all let, know and love ecto cooler. <gasps> um, I, I will say this, and Derek might edit this out or maybe not. He got me almost the drunkest I've ever been on Spike Ecto Cooler. I know what's like, gonna
1: be my Halloween cocktail. It it was i i it was gnarly anyway i am gonna be looking up recipes (laughs) yes um
2: so to date the original ghostbusters film has been seen by more than a billion people
1: not shocked
2: but did you know that the original concept of ghostbusters was born nearly 80 years before the movie was made
1: go on
2: so let's go back to the early 1900s. Doctor Samuel Augustus Ackroyd was a dentist living in Canada. Is so, he
1: kin to? Of course, he has to he be. He is.
2: <gasps> okay, this is Ghostbusters star Dan Ackroyd's great grandfather? Oh, so. He was a dentist in Canada. He was born in 1855. Uh, he married a woman named Ellen Jane, and they had two kids, Morris and Lillian. I will say that Morris is spelled like Maurice. That's how I would say it. But in interviews with Dan Aykroyd and his dad, they say it is Morris. So we're going to go okay. with Morris. Yeah. In the early 1900s, uh, Dr. Aykroyd and Ellen Jane became interested in spiritualism. And um, we touched on this briefly with Hannah's story, um, but it's basically the belief that departed spirits communicate with and show themselves to the living, especially when they do so through mediums. It also includes the system of doctrines and practices founded on this belief. It was sort of like a religion. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was huge. Spiritualism reached its peak between the late 1800s through the 1920s and kind of the early 30s. By 1897, more than 8 million people identified as spiritualists in the U.S. and Europe. Uh, this was mostly in the middle and upper classes.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, it was some and- dandy fop shit. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, it was especially popular among women um mm-hmm. as we were saying earlier are we surprised no <laughs> um but really you've got to think about it and it, it makes sense that the spiritualist movement is coming back around because during its peak, the U.S. Um, had seen several mass death events. You'd had the Civil War and World War One, and then you had epidemics like the yellow fever and Spanish flu. So these um, terrible, terrible events made people eager to communicate with their loved ones yeah. and find proof of life after death. I mean, it, it's the ultimate hope, you know, that.
1: When your sons and your brothers and your dad are all dead, it's like, yeah. shit. I want to talk and to you- them.
2: Yeah, and you want to you want to know that you're going to join them in the afterlife. So it makes sense that they're finding trying to find hope in this and you know death seemed to be everywhere and this was the yeah. time too that um you know death happened in the home generally mm-hmm. and you had your funeral at home, all of that happened at home. It wasn't done in a sterilized hospital and you didn't have the funeral in a funeral home. All of this was really at home. So this just really drives home that point of um you know people just were looking for some hope in my opinion and a lot of spiritualists uh, met in private homes for seances but they also had huge lectures and conventions and camps which please someone send (gasps) me to a spiritualist camp i
1: want to do that
2: mediums would conduct seances table tippings which table tippings are a type of seance i have been to one it was amazing i need Um, to put that on my list it's amazing um, they would also conduct uh, automatic writing sessions, which Ooh. that's where you don't think you just sort of write, and it's yeah. the spirit channeling through you, things like that. So anyway, going back to Dr. A, as his grandson called him, he studied spiritualism as much as he could um, when he wasn't busy being a dentist, basically. Um, It really sort of took over his life, and he became very fascinated with it, and he wanted to study it scientifically as much as he really could. Um, In 1908, he visited Lilydale, New York which mm. is a small town home to mediums and spiritualists since 1879. And it's still known as that today. Like I'm dying to go there. I oh, am yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it has a year round population of about 275, but welcomes more than 22,000 visitors a year for Shit, workshops, man. classes, yeah. readings, lectures. Um, so yeah, Lilydale was awesome 120 years ago, and it's still awesome now. Um, so yeah, he went there to do some work with, um, some psychics and mediums there, which I thought was neat. But then in 1921, Dr. A welcomed a medium named Walter Ashurst into his home. <laughs> for what? what was it? We, Ashurst. Okay. <laughs> maybe, and they might've said it different. I listened to oh, the Walter. To the yeah, there were. Do you know how many Walters are in this store? Like, I'm not going to go through all the Walters, but it's funny how many Walters are in the spiritualist movement.
1: It's almost creepy. I can only imagine.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I'm saying Ashurst. It may be Ashurst. I don't know. I don't care. Anyway,
1: <laughs> no, it's
2: Ashurst.
1: We're going with Ashurst. I don't care.
2: Um, so, anyway. Walter was a medium, Dr. A welcomed a man, and Walter kind of basically moved in with the Ackeroids and lived with them for about 12 years, you know, as you do.
1: As Um, one does.
2: Dr. A and his family and Walter hosted weekly seances. They were trying to to contact the other side. Sometimes uh, Dr. A's grandkids would eavesdrop. And his grandson, Peter, recalled it happening so often that these these were weekly seances. It was something the family discussed often. This was very commonplace. Um, and it just, it was a part of the Ackroyd family. If you were in the Ackroyd family, you just, you went to the weekly seance and you discussed it. Um, so Walter claimed to connect with several spirits, some of whom supposedly predicted the future. Um, he said he connected with Native American spirits, a prince from ancient Egypt, a member of the Ming Dynasty, and acroid family members who had passed on. Peter recalled hearing Walter's voice change as he channeled different people. So, for example, he would speak in Chinese when he was uh, speaking with the uh, person from the Ming Dynasty. But even now... Uh, Peter Aykroyd who is Doctor A's grandson, admits, you know, they don't know was he just making gibberish, gibberish? right? Uh, or, or was he really speaking Chinese? Like, who knows? They, they don't, they couldn't tell because they didn't speak Chinese. Hell so yeah! So, what most spiritualists wanted to achieve then was either a materialization of a spirit, like basically see an apparition in, in person, or experience ectoplasm. Which is a gooey, slimy-like material that mediums could create in the process of manifestation. And these days, a lot of people consider ectoplasm to basically be fraud. Like, a lot of people would hold cheesecloth or torn up toilet paper or something yeah. like in their cheek or in their nose or other bodily orifices. And then just happen to spit it out in the middle of the seance. Like I don't I've never considered that to be a legitimate happening. Like I think you can see a ghost. Like I won't lie, I believe in all that. Ectoplasm, yeah. I don't
1: though. Um so one spiritualist used her boob as a infant's head. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, there were a lot of fakes and frauds during the spiritual oh, yeah. movement. And I mean, I think some stuff could have been legit, but it's hard to tell. So anyway uh dr ackroyd and walter never managed to summon an actual spirit manifestation but that never stopped them from trying um sometimes there would be small amounts of ectoplasm but dr a was never happy with the amount that there was he always wanted more um and i did see an interview with dan ackroyd later where he was like he was 100 like he still is a spiritualist i mean he said he's a christian but he's he heavily believes in this and he was like I oh think yeah we need to get some ectoplasm and like test it against the dna of the person providing it does it match that person or does it match the dna of the person who's passed like and i'm like okay dan Aykroyd, good for you
1: <laughs> he's also super into aliens i love him
2: oh yeah super yes into aliens, he's yes. the best he really is um but um dr Ace's grandson peter did recall seeing a trumpet float through the air in one seance. So that's pretty cool. Okay. But really how we get to Ghostbusters is through this. So Dr. A began keeping journals about his spiritualist journey in 1900. And he continued that practice until about 1931. And these journals are a wealth of knowledge about the spiritualist movement and his thoughts on it. Um, There were 83 journals Damn. So these are like diaries of someone who was heavily involved in the moment, knew a lot of the people, the movers and shakers, you know, he was going to all these different places and all that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, th- those journals are just a wealth of knowledge and it, they're really cool. Um And then Dr. A's son Morris was a bell telephone engineer and he developed a theory that spirits could be contacted through a radio frequency device. And he actually tried to invent this. Um, He worked with Peter on it, but they never got it to work. But he tried, which I'm like, I would love to see him play with a spirit box now. (laughs) Like, right. I think he would think that was awesome. So, more than 50 years after Dr. Ackroyd wrote all of those. Journals, all 83 of them. uh His grandkids, Peter and Judy, found those journals in a blue trunk. They were like cleaning out the family house. They found, they come up on all of these journals and they're like, oh my God, this is, you know, truly the story of the Aykroyd family, but also, um you know, a, a really great diary of the, the, spiritualist movement so this along with Dan Aykroyd's love of old ghost comedy films from the 30s and 40s is how we get Ghostbusters because Dan Aykroyd and the late great Harold Ramis uh, wrote both scripts of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 um, and of course we all know the rest of the stars of the movie I don't Y'all don't need me to go through the cast list. Y'all have IMDb for that. <laughs> but um, Dan Aykroyd grew up in this spiritualist house where all of this was taken seriously. Um, and, you know, this was something that just was commonplace. It, it was not weird. He actually joked that while some families had a subscription to the National Geographic magazine, his family had copies of the American Society for Cyclical Research journals around their house.
1: So Love that's it. how we
2: come back on that. Um, and it's really cool to watch Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, especially after um, studying the Ackroyd family and their experiences with spiritualism, because you see a lot of some of that influence coming through, like talking about ectoplasm. Well, they talk about the slime, of course, and mm-hmm. stuff right. like that, which is really cool. So Peter, who is Dr. A's grandson and Dan Aykroyd's dad, wrote a book called "A History of Ghosts: The True Story of Seances, Mediums, Ghosts, and Ghostbusters" in tw- in two thousand nine. And it tells the story of the Aykroyds' family history in spiritualism and the history of spiritualism in general. He, like his grandfather, has also traveled to Lilydale to meet with different. Um, mediums and try to contact people so um it's been really cool to kind of see how the family has just carried on this tradition within the family and dan Aykroyd uh lives now on the property where his great-grandfather lived and i think he said he lived he used his great-grandfather's home as like a uh office extra house kind of thing um so yeah so, Dr. Samuel Aykroyd died in 1933 at the age of 78. His wife, Ellen Jane, died in 1943 at the age of 84. Their son, Morris, died in 1961 at the age of 70. And his son, Peter Ackroyd, this is Dan Ackroyd's dad, who wrote the book, um, died in 2020 at the age of 98. Oh, man. And his wife, Lorraine, passed in 2018 at the age of
1: 99. Not Their bad. son, Damn. Ann,
2: Yeah. Uh, Their son, Peter Jr., who is Dan's brother, died in 2021. Um, I do not know where Peter Jr. is buried, but Peter Aykroyd, his wife Lorraine, and his grandfather, Dr. Samuel Aykroyd, are all buried at Latimer Cemetery in Latimer, Ontario, Canada. Morris Aykroyd and his mother, Ellen Jane, are buried at Mount Pleasant Cemetery in Toronto. And that's one of the most historic cemeteries in Canada. It looks really rad and really huge. Um, there are lots of cool people buried there, like prime ministers and professional hockey players and actresses. Oh, hell yeah. And all this. So I thought that was cool. Um, but there are videos of Dan and his dad doing interviews, especially around the book's release in 2009. So if you want to hear from both of them, talk about all of that that it there's some great videos online and then um a copy of peter ackroyd's book is kind of hard to track down if you want an actual physical copy but i listened to it on audible so if you want to listen to it it is on there um but i wanted to end with two separate quotes one from peter one from dan so in the book a history of ghosts peter writes in 1984, the year of Ghostbusters release, it became the most successful comedy in film history. To date, it has been seen by more than a million people. And it was absolutely indirectly derived from The Blue Trunk, where they found the granddad's journals. Awesome. And he said, I only hope grandpa knows what fun he started. Oh! And then I loved this because this is very supernatural-ish. Um, reflecting on the recurring themes in his family tree, going thinking about all of this spiritualism movement going back, like I said, a hun- over a hundred years, and his family, Dan Aykroyd, summarized his inherited passion for the paranormal by saying, It's the family business, for God's sake. Oh, <laughs> saving, Very people, nice. hunting things, family business.
1: I yes. love it.
2: So that is how we got Ghostbusters.
1: That is very cool. Yeah, I love Dan Aykroyd. Yeah.
2: He's I awesome. Love Dan Aykroyd, he's good. People. Um, I, I kept seeing during all of this, they were saying he's really the heart of Ghostbusters, and I'm like, oh, oh absolutely, he really is. absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, good times.
0: and, right, and you know the, I'll say that the the most recent Ghostbusters Afterlife was actually I enjoyed it. It what? It's never going it. to live up. Oh my god! It it, it plays. It is the best way to honor the legacy of uh, Harold Harold Ramis. Ramis. Like it does a fantastic job. Is it as good? No, it's not going to be as good as the original, but it's, it's still, you know, it just, my heart was warm after watching that and anything with Paul Rudd is just going to be.
2: right. And I I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Harold Ramis's daughter, I want to say her name is Violet. I know she's on Twitter and I know I follow her, so I should know her name, but I'm a terrible human. I think she's written a book about her dad or yeah. was planning to at least, because um, I wanted to read that. Um, yeah. Harold Ramis, there are, <laughs> I was watching it, both movies today and just some of his delivery just slayed. He people. deadpan. He no, is a... <laughs> he just
0: fantastic i loved egon i think he was my favorite of him and winston you know winston I love
2: winston winston doesn't get enough credit exactly you, that scene in this in the in the um down there in the tunnel yeah. where you hear the creepy voice go winston and then there's just dead faces all around you yeah no
1: so, fuck that
0: terrified that <laughs> Awesome. All right, y'all. Well, I'm going to end it out. Uh, So, so I guess the the theme I ran with was, you know, scary stories from childhood, and I want to start by talking about the movie that I saw as a child that traumatized me. (laughs) So this fucking movie still gives me nightmares, and it's been thirty years since I've seen it. I will. I. Everything I'm sharing with you is from memory, except I did look up the cast to see if anybody did anything else. Um, so yeah, this is all my memory, whether or not it's accurate is, and the, and the same thing with my, my main topic today is my memory of this. So, you know, come at me, bro, if it's not how you remember <laughs> it. Uh, okay, so I know, Sheena, you said you've never seen Pumpkinhead. Hannah, have you no. seen any of the Pumpkinhead movies? I have not fucking scary as shit. There's like four or five (laughs) of them. The original one was just like, and it had Lance Henriksen. That was the movie that traumatized my husband as a child. Mm. For me, it was the sequel, Pumpkinhead 2, Blood Wings, which came out in 1993, which does not feel like 30 years ago. Yeah. Right. 10 years ago, maybe, 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 maybe.
1: The nineties were still a decade ago and I will die. Exactly. You are, you are
0: not going to fucking tell me that that was 30 years ago. (laughs) So, so as I said, I don't remember a whole lot about this movie. I will not watch it again. I know the effects are going to be garbage, but it's still going to give me nightmares. So I refuse to, to look it up and I don't (laughs) even know if you can watch it anywhere. It was a B movie when it came out. Um, But from what I do recall, there's a new sheriff in town with a teen daughter who gets involved with, you know, the popular douchey crowd, the troublemakers, um, which uh, two of the actors are Soleil Moon Fry and Hill Harper. So those were the two people in the movie that actually went on and, you know, had fairly successful careers. Uh, so these douchebags, you know, they go out drinking and partying, you know, hoeing it up, and they unwittingly burn down the house of an old witch, which leads to the summoning of the the demon Pumpkinhead, who is who historically Pumpkinhead is summoned from an act of violence uh like in the original the lance henrickson's son is killed by these teens that are drinking and driving Ooh. and he gets an old witch to bring pumpkin head to exact revenge on the teens uh, but it's never a good idea to summon Pumpkinhead because he <laughs> fucks some shit up uh somehow he's connected pumpkin head is i don't know if he comes back in the body of or his brain is of this deformed boy who was murdered like 30 years earlier um
1: so this is friday this, the 13th
0: sort of yes yeah. so this, <laughs> this this poor deformed boy was bullied by the popular kids and winds up getting killed and his death was caused by a group of miscreant teens that included the new sheriff in town oh he's he's moved back to his hometown where he grew up and he left it after this incident because he wanted to put it behind him but now he's come back to turn things around and a lot of his douche bro friends from back in the day are now leaders in this this little town never go back to your
1: hometown yeah. Right, so Pumpkinhead
0: comes back and exacts revenge, murders the fucking kids, but since he also has the memories of this poor deformed boy, he wreaks havoc on these now adults that were responsible for the, his death, mm-hmm. um, and I think maybe some of the present day teens or children of the ones from the 1950s yeah. or whatever, I don't fucking know, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, all I know is Pumpkinhead is scary as shit. And at the end, the final girl, the, you know, the main teen and her dad survive because her father's like, I helped you because apparently he was the good guy that tried to help the deformed boy and was nice to him and didn't mistreat him. So, uh, pumpkin head, let them live. Mm -hmm. Um, So fuck all that and shame on my mom and dad for thinking that this was an appropriate (laughs) movie for their seven year old daughter to watch.
1: Um. The nineties were a different time.
0: You know, yes, I, Freddy Krueger looked under my bed that, but this pumpkin head movie, this particular one just fucking <laughs> sent me. Okay. So now we're going to move on to, to my main focus. Of this week which is another traumatizing story from my childhood and i'm staying on brand i did not look up this story until after (laughs) i wrote all this out so this is Lori's retelling of it it could be 100 accurate it probably isn't uh because it is after all a folk tale um so i'm gonna tell the story and then go into you know what's true about it if anything so during our elementary school days uh, most of us who live below the Mason-Dixon line study folktales. And for some reason, that chapter for me came up when I was in fourth grade. And for another unknown reason, Southern teachers thought that the legend of Taley Poe was just the perfect folktale to incorporate into the curriculum for a bunch of eight, nine-year-olds. Why not? <laughs> now, some of you may have heard this story, know the Taley Poe very well. A lot of you probably don't. I myself have had to retell this story hundreds of times throughout the years because I had a barn cat that I named tayley Poe. And I've, I've, I had to explain her, the context of her names more times than I can count. <laughs> so let's start with the story as I remember it. Some time ago, let's just say the 1800s, you know, that's always a good, good, good era. Yeah. There was an old man who lived in the woods in the mountains of Eastern Tennessee. That's usually as this story has been retold hundreds of thousands of times, that's usually the same. Yeah. I'm going to call him Bob.
2: No, well, Billy outlaw. Bob, yeah, Billy outlaw. No, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So he was a
0: bit of a loner and a curmudgeon who liked to spend his time alone with his hunting dogs in his cabin. Um, there was going to be some bad weather coming. It had been a rough, rough winter. Food was scarce, but Bob was like, yeah, I'm going to fuck her in and find out. I'm not leaving this mountain. <laughs> Uh, his neighbors said dude you need to come off there's no food you're gonna freeze Um, he decided to take his chances and one day he's out hunting with his dogs Um, they don't find anything they searched high and low there is no food to be found when he entered his cabin he sees this like creepy looking black cat like creature unlike anything he'd ever seen before it was like hunting for bugs because it too didn't have any food to keep it warm during the winter um it was a, you know, very feline in appearance. It had, again, in tellings of the story, it's either red, green, or glowing gold eyes. But the one constant is the big ass fluffy tail that was like twice the size of the animal. He tried to, to, to grab his gun and somehow the only thing he could come in contact with was his axe. He reached for his axe, went after it, you know chased it throughout his cabin and as it was running out through the fireplace he chopped off its tail and he was so hungry he's just like you know what i'm gonna skin this shit up and i'm gonna boil it in a stew (laughs) as you do
2: um
0: it was delicious he tried to give some to his dogs and they're like "Mm, we're not fucking around and finding out no thank you sir (laughs) uh So he went to sleep sometime in the middle of the night. He was awakened by the sound of his loud scratching at his door and his dogs huddled nervously in the corner whining. Um, He got his gun, went to the door and pulled it open, but there was nothing there. Oh my. So he took his gun back to bed. He got back under the covers, went back to sleep, had these horrible, horrible nightmares. Um, And then again, the scratching came. Mm-hmm. this time he just shot through his door yeah. as you do as uh, you do and then went and opened the door to see if he got it there was nothing there at this point the dogs were like okay we're we're gone you know by yeah. felicia and they hauled <laughs> ass out of that cabin howling as they went um and these were dogs that like had helped him hunt bears, cougars, all kinds of shit. So whatever it was, was scaring them.
1: They weren't here for it. Yeah. They're like, "Mm
0: -mm, no. (laughs) So Bob went back to bed. He was really nervous. And then all of a sudden he hears the scratching again, but this time it's accompanied by, by a voice. Tailey Poe, Tailey Poe. You've got my Tailey Poe. He hid himself under the covers. He realized, <laughs> "Well, shit, I left my gun by the door. Just, <laughs> it'll go- you know, when you're a kid and you have nightmares, you pull the covers over your head and just like, "Oh, yeah, there, it's yes. not going to be there. It's not going yes. to be there." So that's what he did. Then there's a loud crash. Whatever had been trying to claw its way through his door had made its way into his house. Yeek. The voice got louder. The closer it got: tailey Po, tailey Po. You've got my tay Po." over and over, closer and closer. Bob tried reasoning with it. I don't got it no more. I tell you, i done ate it all up because, you know, that's how you reason with uh, a cryptid, Right. Absolutely. <laughs> but that didn't stop the creature. He looked around wildly for a weapon. Fuck my guns by the door. The ax is by the door. I don't know where my hunting knife is. So he's he's horrified how how the hell am i going to get out of this situation then he saw the blankets at the end of his bed start to rise as the creature came up taily poe taily poe give me back my fucking taily (laughs) poe it didn't say that but you know change it up a little bit old man bob screamed in terror blackness So, you know, a few days later, the dogs turn up at a farm at the bottom of the mountain and they're horrified. They're scared shitless. And they're like, something happened. We've got to send some people up to the mountain and check on old Bob. Uh, They went up there. They saw the scratch marks on his door and a hole in the door, the size of a small animal or large enough that you could fit a man's head through. And they were horrified by what they found. The body of Bob completely eviscerated Ew. in his bed from groin to chest. Ew. And as they were leaving with his body, they heard a soft voice from the trees exclaim with grief. Tailey Po, Tailey Poe, I've got my Tailey Poe. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. nobody went hunting on that mountain alone ever again smart (laughs) so yes that's that's the talipo as i remember it i i can picture that book the illustrations were horrifying everything was just just horrible um and in trying to research the origin of this legend came up with a whole lot of nothing when you google the talipo cryptid folklore basically you get the same exact thing that i just told you or some variation of it um It's thought to be uh, an African-American folktale from the mountains of Appalachia. Um, The general concept always remains the same. Old hunter left alone and starving, comes across the strange cat-like creature, chops off its tail, eats it, and then is eventually terrorized and murdered as the animal comes to claim its tail. There's also an alternative version of the story from different parts of the country. One uh, that I believe was featured in one of the scary stories to tell in the dark book. And I know was in the movie was called the hairy toe or the big toe. Um, And depending on your source material, it's a boy who's digging in his garden, finds a toe. And for some reason says, this is a good piece of meat and he (laughs) and his family eat it for dinner. And a creature, the the person the toe belonged to, comes that night and gets closer and closer before it comes and basically eats him. There's a component that's very much like uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Well, you yeah. know what big teeth you have. What anyway? So so that is basically a variation of this. And then my dad, of all people, re- uh, remembers another story uh, from when he was a kid in this little tiny town called Pacific, Missouri. Uh, Whereas a boy, he was sent to the store to get some liver for dinner. He spent all his money on candy and he knew he would be in trouble. So he snuck into the local funeral home and somehow was able I to know get the this liver one too. Two yes. of a recently deceased person. They go home, they cook it, they eat it. And as the story goes along, just the same, a voice, I want my liver back. But this time <laughs> it tells you where it is. I'm on the first step. I want Ooh. my liver back. I'm on the third step. And this was something that my dad and his buddies would tell each other because they had 13 steps leading up into their house. And this is also where my dad experienced his first ghost um, that he told me about. uh, Actually, last night when we were talking about this, I'll have to ask more details on that later. But at, you know, I want my liver back. And as you're telling this story, when you get to the part where whatever it is attacks you. You jump at the person and grab them and say, I got my neighbor back. And so we also
1: had that with, um, the golden arm, like somebody had a golden prosthesis and somebody um, steals it. Yeah.
0: Beverly Troop Beverly Hills. They tell that story in Troop Beverly Hills, or you hear the end of it. So again, this is not something I would consider that an eight or nine year old should be reading, <laughs> especially as a part of their school curriculum. But you know, I'm not a teacher. So who, who am I to say? Definitely so.
1: about that age. Yeah. There.
0: It's like, what the fuck, man? And I can tell you that a bunch of kids that were in my fourth grade class were horrified by this. And, uh, <laughs> I guarantee you they're not reading Taylor Poe today as we were just talking about. They can't fucking read Junie B. Jones. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, you better bet some Karen mom is like, "How fucking dare you try to get my kid to read this book that's trying to teach them to be kind to of animals?" <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so back to Taley Poe. In some versions, the creature is known as Taley Bone or Tally Tail. Story is the same. The meaning or the moral: Don't fuck around with animals. Uh, and when there's a winter storm about Speaking to snow your ass in, animals
1: is that Buster oh
2: my.
0: Yeah, they're having re- uh, puppy WrestleMania behind me.
1: So yeah, I'm I saw say, I Pickle earlier. I was very- excited. Yeah, no,
0: they, they they do this from time to time. I love and so it. so when, when there's a winter storm about to snow your ass in, get your ass off the mountain maybe so you don't starve to death or right. unknowingly uh,
1: yeah.
0: eat the tail of a demon cat. I don't uh,
1: just like eat random tails like what is wrong with
0: exactly, you exactly exactly so this has stuck with me for 30 years so much so that when i found a poor little kitten in the uh parking lot of one of my previous jobs um she was a fluffy um black and orange uh tortoise long hair cat um i rescued her her tail was very long and fluffy and i named her taily poe
1: <laughs> I love it. Um, yep, Poe
0: lived up to her name. She was an asshole. Uh,
1: <laughs> yes. The fluffier he, the tail, the worse the attitude. Oh God. No. So <laughs> she was, she
0: was really awesome at first. Um, she did get herself knocked up. Hadn't Ooh. been spayed. So we, I brought her, brought her in the house because she lived at the barn. She liked being outside, um, brought her in the house to have the kittens and get her spayed. Um, She would go from room to room screaming for no reason. And then she would shit on the carpet in every room. (laughs) And we took her to the vet and had her checked out to make sure it wasn't something, something going on in her system. And the consensus was your cat is an asshole. Yep. Yep. So it's like, okay, she does. She's not, obviously she's not happy in the house. We're going to take her back to the barn. And there she flourished until about six months ago, she disappeared Part of me hopes she decided to adopt a family down the road, but I'm sure she wound up getting killed by some wild animal. Aww. I just hope that she took their ass out in the process and I'm got sure her. I'm sure she did. Oh, absolutely. Combat. I do have a picture. Uh I could only find one that showed her fluffy tail. So we will share <laughs> that um on our socials. And yeah, so don't don't fuck around with the poe man
1: no <laughs> right bad and that's idea. i love that like i mean most folk tales because they're like cautionary in nature like literally the whole premise of them is fuck around and find out yes, you know, like, exactly. yeah
2: exactly
1: yeah awesome
2: good job Lou good job Hannah. Love Thank you. yay we had fun this week so yeah um, we are going to have more fun next week when we tell you some spooky stories um, but in the meantime, Luhu, where can they find us? We are on Facebook Instagram and
0: Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod or you can send us an email to Cemetery Row Pod at gmail.com
2: Yay! and hey, uh, tell your friends about us and rate, review, subscribe please leave us a nice review it would be kind of like an early Christmas we um, would love help it help us with our algorithm yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, awesome. We'll see you next week for Halloween. Ooh. Bye. Bye.